0: Welcome to r for r Conversations that Educate and Elevate. I'm Karen Conley, and I am so thrilled to be back for part two with my good friend, James Kirkwood. Thank you so much for coming back again for a second episode.
1: Hey, thank you for inviting me.
0: Well, if you missed our first conversation together, I really want to encourage you to go back and listen to it. Um, who I am talking to right now, this good friend of mine has served as a Memphis police officer for 31 years. He has served as a pastor for almost as long, and he is now the executive director of Memphis Christian Pastors Network. And we are talking about some, some topics that are very um, weighty in our culture right now. And um, Colonel Kirkwood, as you talked about your experience Um, both as a a young man witnessing some um, injustices in your neighborhood from a police officer and and really that compelling you uh, into a a lifelong profession to help your community. Um, As we move into present day, I want you to speak for a few minutes, maybe specifically to to our white audience. Um, As a white person, I have never experienced some of the things that some of my black friends have talked about in terms of fear, in terms of um, just what a situation looks like, um, when maybe they encounter somebody in law enforcement. talk to us and and educate us, help us to have an understanding as a white community of maybe some of our blind spots when this topic comes about in our culture.
1: Uh, I think uh, if I would say something to the white community, I would say uh, that what you hear is not a An exaggeration. What you hear uh, African Americans talking about when they deal with police, that is not an exaggeration. Mm -hmm. Uh, It is real. Mm -hmm. And just because you haven't experienced it all, you uh, your sons and daughters, you know, you don't worry about a police encounter with your sons or daughters. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's not the same for the African American community. Mm -hmm. Uh, When I sit around uh, pastors, and they are shocked that we are having a conversation to our kids, our sons, on how to make it home if you are stopped by the police, mm-hmm. right, tells you that this is real. Mm-hmm. And for that conversation to have to go on, uh, you know, you can't say, well, you know, or think that that's not real. It's real. Mm-hmm. All right? and this is what's taking place and even if you've never walked in our shoes or or, or lived around it, you, you can you can you can come and visit what we go through through our story mm-hmm. through our stories mm-hmm. All right, because we're telling you what takes place when uh, when you look at and I think his was beautiful uh, when you saw what took place with Mr. Floyd, how the officer did not get up off his neck. Mm-hmm. neck. And there was no reason for him not to give up, uh, get up off that man's neck. And uh that man was complying. All right. He was complying, mm-hmm. uh, but he stayed there. All right. That tells you what has been said is real. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I, you know, I think uh sometimes though you've never experienced it. You know, I I, I, I learned early in life uh, to, if I want to know about something, I really need to go and talk to the people that's dealing with it. If I really want to know what's going on with a cancer patient, mm-hmm. all right, I need to go and talk to him and say, is that pain real?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, is what you're going through real? All right, is the depression, uh, is 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 anxiety, because during this COVID thing, we've seen a lot of anxiety just go up. Is it real? What? How is it real for you? Well, I may not experience it. I may not have any problem with anxiety. I'm like, cool. But this person is struggling with it and that is real. And if you really want to know about it, you got to go talk to them. But when you talk to them, mm-hmm. listen to them and don't explain it away. Mm. You know, and here's the the worst thing you can do. You learn this, you know, you you never ever minimize a person's pain, Mm. you know, or you never try to find justification uh, for the minimization of the pain by saying, well, you know, if he had just complied with the police, none of this would have happened. I'm like, dude, really, Mm. Uh, come on now you know, if, if, if he hadn't have been fighting the police, none of this would have happened.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, uh, you know, you, you have to look and say, you know, how, how do we in 2020 still deal with a problem? Right. How does the conversation continues to spare Mm-hmm. Into existence mm-hmm. over the same thing, and that's police brutality, mm-hmm. and that's uh criminal injustice. Mm-hmm. Uh, how are we still having these conversations right. is because somebody is not paying attention. Mm-hmm. Right. And I really need the white community to pay attention mm-hmm. because uh Systemic racism takes place within policies Mm -hmm. and it takes place within laws and it takes place within uh, 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 the mindset of people. Sometimes unconsciously, Mm -hmm. you know, that implicit bias that Mm -hmm. you don't see, but it's there. Uh, I need you to listen because if we're gonna make change, if we're gonna move forward, all right, I need your force and I need your vote mm-hmm. on changing the way we've done things down through the years. Right? Mm-hmm. If not, we will be here again.
0: Well, Colonel Kirkwood, in our first episode, you, you used the phrase, you have to own your ugly. And I think that needs to be a t-shirt, honestly, but um, in a in a series, okay. uh, <laughs> I think all of us need to own our ugly. Own okay. so there's uh, something to be said for that. But from your perspective, um, what needs to happen both within a a police department and within the culture at large, so that we don't circle back to this subject again, you gave the illustration of the diet and you know you start out really strong but then things kind of ebb. do you sense anything Um, I know you're retired now, so you're not in the force to to maybe have those firsthand experiences. But are you sensing that there is any movement or shift that can solve some of these problems once and for all happening within police departments?
1: Yes. Uh, I think you've seen you've seen a lot of uh, things come forth. Uh, You see a, a big conversation around community policing now. Mm-hmm. all right and that's huge mm-hmm. you've seen a lot of uh a big push for policy changes mm-hmm. whereas uh and uh policies rewriting policy whereas officers are made to uh police other officers on the scene when they're going rogue. Okay. all right that 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 that's real that is happening uh you see uh Policy changes when it come down to uh, the amount of force uh, an officer will use. Uh, you know, no, you cannot put your knee on a person's neck, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Resist strong chokeholds being banned. You mm-hmm. see a lot of that going on. You also see a lot of conversations going on, all right, whereas community leaders are coming to the table and they are talking with police. You have Everybody's ears are open uh, to make a difference. Let's see how we fix this. Now, what we have to do is make sure the conversations don't stop, mm-hmm. and we really have to make sure that we, when when, when, when the hard conversation comes, all right? Because it's easy to uh, talk about, uh, you know. Well, let's talk about community policing, and we talk about all community coming together. You know. But then when we start talking about, okay, hiring practices, mm-hmm. right? You know, how, you know what goes in the hiring practice of these officers and what are we going to be looking for? Who do we want uh, to be hired as police officers? Those are conversations the community has to have, all right? Because the community knows what they want. If you go and say, hey, what's your ideal police officer? All right, they right, gonna give you this image of this great guy all right that they want all right you know and so you have to in turn and say okay now that's what the community wants all right and if i'm not giving the community what they want then the community is going to be upset and they probably won't be tipping us mm-hmm. or be willing to uh, stand with us uh when crisis occur mm-hmm. you know and and i think memphis and i you know i, I applaud memphis memphis has done a great job in the area of uh, police, uh, community policing and police relationships with community, but we could do a lot more, all right? Mm-hmm. We really could make community policing the, uh, the brand mm-hmm. for the police department, all right? Throughout the department, uh, that can take place.
0: When, uh, you, when we hear conversations about defunding police and those kinds of things, Um, how do you, how do you hear that? What, what is it that you maybe would, would either agree with or disagree with, or an insight that you would have that maybe for some people strikes fear, like that, that you're not going to be able to protect yourself or defend yourself and officers are going to be put in positions that they are, that they are coming against people who have weapons. How do you, how do you. Knowing all that you know and the effectiveness that you have seen, when you hear those kinds of conversations, what would be helpful for those that aren't on the inside track to understand about that?
1: Yeah, uh, you know, now, now I'm a guy who's like, no, guys, we can't defund policing. Okay, uh, by no means. All right. Yeah. Now we can talk about moving funds, rearranging funds mm-hmm. that are, are are given to the police department to. Uh, you know, put them in places of community policing and uh, preventive uh, Mm -hmm. uh, policing, Mm -hmm. uh, things we can do like that. But defunding policing, no. And also, if you really want to do this community thing, it probably will cost more. You know, uh, we probably have to pay more on the front end, Mm -hmm. Right. but it will save money on the back end. When we begin to decrease crime, and, and people uh, are in good standing and communities coming together, that piece alone is worth paying for, all right? Because that's gonna turn into more companies coming uh, uh, to your you know business, uh, bringing better jobs, that kind of thing. Business is not being robbed. People can go out and spend money shopping and that kind of thing. So it turns around within the economic, mm. economics of the matter.
0: Mm. That's, a, that's a great point. So as we think about this, I know that your, your wisdom is, is broader than just your experience um, on the police force. So that's obviously a great asset to us to have your wisdom there. Um, when you think about just the issues at large in our country right now and the division that exists, what do you see as maybe the core issues that need to be addressed?
1: Uh, I think uh, core issues on the church side I think the church has not done a good job of being the voice
0: mm.
1: of the uh, helpless mm-hmm. they have not been a strong force they haven't advocated for the poor mm-hmm. uh, for the fatherless Mm-hmm. Uh they haven't uh done what they should. And when you see groups like Black Lives Matter mm-hmm. coming up being divorced, mm-hmm. saying the things that we, the church, should have said, all right, mm-hmm. that Malachi said, we should say. Mm-hmm. All right, uh you, you wonder, you know, man. How did we be? How do we get into this place where we begin to not advocate mm. for the things that our Savior advocated for?
0: Mm. Mm.
1: You know, and so I, I think you know, as a pastor and as a you know man, I sit back and say, "Hey, church, we got to do a better job in mm. what we're doing. We have to begin to be the force uh, for the hopeless, for the community." I think the community also has uh, let uh, community down. Because really, believe it or not, church is community. Mm -hmm. And what you see in church, usually, I had an old pastor who taught me this here, whatever you see going on in society, I promise you, it's in the church, all right? And so this complacency that we see within the uh, church is also seen in the community, whereas the community is not being a voice. For the poor, uh, or for the uh, matter of fact, we tend to beat up on the poor a whole lot. We tend to beat up on the fatherless. Uh, you know, we we, we don't advocate for them. We we say we shun them. All right, mm-hmm. and when it goes bad, we this community says, "Hey, let's just lock them up, mm-hmm. uh, and and move out the way." But some kind of way, we the community. Mm. Have to do a better job, and I think all of this comes down to loving. All right, because even the business community needs to do a better job uh, in uh, hiring and and, and opening uh, avenues to bring people in early to get them trained. They need to do a better job in getting people to know what their companies need. Mm -hmm. And they need to work with the school system and the school system need to work with the uh, business community and the churches so that we can begin to prepare our young people for the future, all right? Mm -hmm. So that they will know that Smith and Nephew needs machinists, all right, to operate, all right? And they will know that these companies need industrial electricians, okay? You know, and so schools, this is what you need to be bringing about, you know, this is what you need to be turning out. You know, so that they could move into the workforce and be successful and have a successful career. Uh, those are the things I think. You know, and, and 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 it's, you know, when when you look at it, you. you, you I'm this guy who just believes that most of our problems have simple fixes. We just complicate things. All right. All right? And I think we complicate things because we fail to do the one thing that God has always called us to do, Mm. and that was to love him Mm. with all of our heart and to love our neighbors as ourselves. Mm. And because everybody in these facets Mm. fail to do those two things, we get this mess. It's real simple to take care of the people you love. You do whatever you need to do
0: right you know that is so well said and just really cuts through so many layers and you know one of the things that we've not really talked about thus far in our conversation is your role at the memphis christian pastors network and and really i know the the foundation of that and and correct me if i'm wrong on this but was really to say okay if the pastor's are divided in the city of Memphis. How will the people of the churches be united? And so it was yes. really that first step forward. Um, tell us a little bit about the work that's going on with the Memphis Christian Pastors Network and and your role there.
1: Hey this is uh this is a great it's a great organization and uh, I was I was blessed to retire from serving the community as with the police Department to coming over to the Memphis Christian Pastors Network, yet serving the community, still serving the community. Mm-hmm. And uh, it is a awesome organization. There's a group of pastors, about 67, 70 churches, cross denominational line, cross uh, racial lines, uh, mega church, small church. Uh, it's countywide. It's not just in Memphis. We have churches in Carrierville, Germantown. Uh, I mean, Mississippi. And we come together, these pastors come together to uh, uh, build a relationship with with each other, to find trust with each other, to have real conversations around uh, the situations and the uh, incidents that are occurring in our city, uh, to have real conversations, safe talk conversations around the table. And uh, we focus on, building a pathway up out of poverty. Uh, Memphis has a high uh, poverty rate. And how can the church, how can we, the people of God, impact that? How can we reduce poverty in our city? The Memphis Christian Pastors Network, we chose to do it through vocational education Mm -hmm. or CTE, Mm -hmm. career technology education. Uh, and and that's sitting down with business people, with uh, the educational centers uh, of our city, as well as the pastors, and formalizing what what do you all need? Mm-hmm. How can the church, uh, who has a voice with the people, uh, let know what's needed and know what to come back with our congregations and share. And so and you know so we're partnering with those agencies to help build that pathway out of poverty, so that people can get skilled up. Uh, There's a big thing that's going on through the chamber, upskill 901. So in the church, the church is sitting there with the chamber saying, "Okay, yeah, we like that, upskill 901. How do we get our young people Mm -hmm. that uh, opportunity youth uh, engaged with uh, career technology, uh, education, so that they can become uh, the machinists, the plumbers, the electricians the uh, carpenters, mm-hmm. uh, so they can get those kids in t- industrial technology.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, how can they, you know, we put people into more tech, Southwest, uh, TCAT, all these agencies where where, ed- where the education will be basically free, mm-hmm. right? You know, so that you can come out of school within uh, 18 months to two years making, more than $15 an hour, you know? And then how do we connect those who need a job with those agencies who, you know, who are looking uh, uh, for workers? So we have been real busy doing this here. I think it's absolutely wonderful. And uh, this is something that the Memphis Christian Pastors Network is passionate about. I mean, we are so passionate about this uh, because we know this works.
0: Mm. It works. Absolutely. And one of the things and and reasons that we are just so encouraged with the Memphis Christians Pastors Network and their interest in race reconciliation uh, and involvement there is because as we've gone through and, and learned from people that have been on the ground in Memphis specifically and then seen it replicated in other cities across the country, if If we just come together and say we want to make things better, but don't actually do something to make it better then then we're just saying, you know be warm and well fed we're just it's just words, it's not actions and so yes. For us as an organization, um, really what you just tapped into with Upskills 901 is really kind of the second of three of our city partnerships. We've said literacy tutoring to be proactive, that vocational training. So for those that don't get to go to college. Um, how do we give them meaningful skills and professions that can help launch them out of poverty and really break that cycle? And then the third being leadership development. How do we provide minority leadership development? So I love the work that that is happening at Memphis Christians Pastors Network and, and your part in that. So thank you so much for all that you're doing there. I think I think you are definitely oh, man. On, yes. on to something there. And Colonel Kirkwood, I can't thank you enough, just not only for coming on and having this conversation, but just for your lifetime of being a servant leader in the city of Memphis. I know that you are respected and beloved in our community. And, and I'm right there um, joining people in that respect and love for you. Thank you for your work as we talk about it, Race for Reconciliation It requires all sectors of a community, um, faith and business and economics and um, all of the schools and government and police, all of us together to to bring health to our communities. Thank you for the ways that you do that. If people are interested in the Memphis Christian Pastors Network or their work with Upskills 901, where's the best place for them to find out more about Memphis Christian Pastors Network?
1: Uh, the best place is to come on out to a website, uh, MemphisCPN.org. Uh, MemphisCPN.org. That's our website, and you can go there. Uh, you can find ways to reach out to me on the network. And hey, I talk to people all the time about what we're doing. Uh, who want to be a part, and we can figure out ways for you to help. Uh, you know, so
0: perfect. Yeah. Well. We are so grateful, and if you want, please go check out the website for Memphis Christian Pastors Network. Um, There might be ways that you can partner with them to help with jobs and vocational training. Um, Maybe you're involved in a church that's not a part of the network, and you want to encourage your pastor to learn about it. Love for you to do that, and if you want more information on Race for Reconciliation, check out raceforreconciliation.org, and we'll see you next time.